America's leading industry is still the manufacture, distribution, packaging, and marketing of bullshit. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Necessary BS Podcast after an extended break. <laughs> I was going to say, do you, I'm surprised that you remembered how to do that. Sure, it's, I mean, it's sort of ingrained in the memory, um, you know, I, we've done it quite a while, just after the break it was kind of, you know, I, I had to mentally prepare myself coming back, and in case you've forgotten, my name is Ian Savage, the philosopher in the room, otherwise known as the person who makes everybody miserable, and Josh, I feel like that sentiment has been, uh, there's you know, mounting evidence for that now. Um, it seems that everywhere I go, everywhere I turn, there's some song where those are the lyrics. Um, I tend to make people quite miserable, but we don't have to get into that. Josh. Yes. How do you feel coming back here? You know, it's it's interesting. I mean, first of all, we're in person, those, by the way. Yeah, this we're in person. Yeah, we're literally sitting. You, you can't see listeners, but we're sitting across. Well, they can chair. probably see. Like, they, <laughs> they I mean, understand. there could be blind, you know, podcast listeners, but they can probably see. They can't see us. That's not what I'm. I'm just saying. Well, right. if they're still blind, it means that they can't see. Like that. That state statement That's, still <laughs> this applies. True. Yes. Okay, but yeah. I'm Josh Simpson, and I am the thespian in the room, um, aka counselor mental health counselor and training and uh i you know what i should have we've been on break for so long and i did not even take the time to come up with a slogan for myself as ian's got a great one that he makes everybody miserable so i'm still gonna stick with the classic for those seasoned bullshitters boom boom pow pow (laughs) (laughs) again mugs are coming um yeah (laughs) yeah. Uh, (laughs) so down the line no i mean look to answer your question it is it is kind of interesting it's one of those things where you know, as probably most people that are listening to this can understand, I mean, with the pandemic and then with the way that life goes, once you kind of hit like, you know, kind of early stage adulthood, you know, you get into our thirties yeah, and you feel like not only just this, do you feel like your time dwindles? Now it, it may not, you know, and there's definitely some, does. Like, yeah. It definitely does. <laughs> and so like, you know, there's moments where I, I feel like what adulthood is, is each week I say that next week is going to get a little easier. And then it always is next week. And I'm always telling myself it's the week after that. That's going to time to slow down. So, I mean, for us too, like, let's think about it this way. We wanted to even start this sooner, but just like in September. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But given the nature, I mean, you know, I'm in graduate school. Um, I've recently got a new girlfriend, which is exciting. And right. You finally came out of the closet. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) See, this is why we have to do this stuff because it's my job to, to try to zip Ian out of his assholeness. To to do my best to temper you. Yeah. But no, so there's, you know, and you know, Ian's always has his stuff going on. I mean, you have, you have family man. I, I, yeah, very much a family man. My son is five years old now. That's um, wild. It is. To think about right? it. it is very wild. I mean, thinking about it, you know, when we started this podcast in 2018, right? Yeah, the end of 2018. Yeah. He was he was only a year old, and and you know, my time was our. You know, it's funny mentioning time. My time was already dwindling then. Yeah, and it's like vanishingly thin now. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, with him being older, it, things get easier. Except when he's like, you know, he's he's like a moody teenager in the body of a five year old uh, ape man. And um, I don't remember where I was going with this, but yeah, uh, it's um, you know, it's funny getting back into the swing of it a little. You know, we were kind of talking about, you know, before tonight. Okay. We got, you know, like you said, like next week. Okay. We can plan a little bit. Oh shit. Next week. Oh, this came up. And it's funny. I mean, since, you know, Josh and I both live in in Eugene, Oregon, uh, and I moved back here 
uh, earlier this summer, and it has been a very nice change. It was quite the um, it was quite the battle to get back here, but once we did, it's like okay, thank God, you know. Yeah. Just, just, just I any time, not only does moving suck, but moving, you know, from a two and a half hour period of where you were. Yeah. And I think if it's the same state, I mean, there's things like that too. But right. there is logistical stuff about that. That's well, you know, there's expenses, there's the time, you know, there's pack. I mean, you know, everybody knows what moving. Or even like. getting into a place, yeah. you know. That's, yeah. You know, oh yeah, getting... that was. I mean, we spent a month and a half looking every week for places to get into. And I mean, it, yeah, it was rough. And, and then on top of that, like, you know, excuse me, our, our work schedules have been, you know, yours has been pretty, you know, static for, for quite a while, you know, since you started going to school. Yeah. Um, I would argue the word consistent, but yeah, sure. Consistent. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's better. Um, and mine has been all over the place. Um, and I recently started another job, which I'm, I'm happy with. It's got a more consistent schedule Monday through Friday sort of thing. So that's why this is a little bit more possible for me. Um, it is nice. I'm, I'm a, working on airplanes as an airplane mechanic. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I was going to like talk about that, but I guess it's good to bring it up now. I feel like this Jack of all trades and master of none. I know it's like a, it's yeah. like a dead, you know, idea, like it been used overused way too much, but it, I, I don't have, you know, I mean, you've switched careers, not switched like, careers, I guess, but you have, you have been in a slew of different jobs. Yes. Now, now, granted, yeah. you spent the first part of that driving. You were driving right. in a lot of different positions, but you were doing different things. Like mm-hmm. you were with FedEx for a little while, then you were with a like. Um, uh, I was a mo- with mover. a moving company. After yeah, yeah. That. You were you were literally a legal drug mule. Yes, yes, I was. Yeah, my last. Well, I guess not even my last gig. I mean, my my last job uh, in Central Oregon, where I just moved back from, uh, was at a pharmaceutical company. Um, which actually, I think I'm still, uh, under NDA, uh, on. <laughs> well, so no, probably, we're not going to, yeah, yeah, let's, well, no, but, they um, we're but yeah, I was at a pharmaceutical company, basic. um, you know, basically, yeah, transporting drug samples. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's literally what Josh said, but you know, yeah. and then, and then I came back here and I worked at this, you know, just, it's totally unimportant things, you know, yeah, but you know, uh, you know, but, yeah, that's the thing though. So I think to get started here, I, I have an idea. This is some, something we did not talk prior. I love um, ideas. Doing this on, <laughs> we're doing this on Mike, but yeah, the best ideas. Well, you're talking about your son. And so the, the thing is, is, is for me as a, as a non-parent, but who has a lot of people that um, I grew up with or that are surrounding me that do have kids that are yeah. navigating that, you know, and you see some people that I'm not too familiar with that are dealing, navigating with children, people that I am familiar with. And I think the thing that fascinates me is watching the kind of unadulterated consciousness or the unaffected consciousness of like social norms or cultural understandings or, or things that we're supposed to do. Now there's aspects of that, that I find refreshing because there could be some social cultural norms that, you know, are not as, as privy as others, but others have to follow basic things of like, um, I guess what I'm looking for here, courtesies or, or, Oh, sure. Um, like polite behaviors. Yeah. Polite, yeah. Things that become standards of how you interact. And so what's fascinating, anytime I come over, and like I, I hear your son talk. There's this, this this really hard reality at five years old. I mean, if you don't mind, one example is I think it had something to do with like he had dumped over a toy bucket, and all that oh, was asked of yeah. him was just to pick up the toys. And for him, that was like devastating. It's yeah. like I don't want to do that. Oh, you know? it's it's funny. I mean, bringing bringing up toys. I mean, you know, if any listener has children, you know, you know this. Um, you know how kids like to play with their toys and everything like that. I'm finding out. Um, it was it was apparent, or you know, a, a few like a year or you so are ago. Well, I know <laughs> it was apparent, <laughs> um, not a parent. Uh, a few years ago, um, his sort of you know behavior. 
but it's now become much more obvious that he has OCD like I do. And, uh, you know, his big, he, he wants somewhere to play with his things. And so he's got, you know, his Legos, his dinosaur toys, his, his transformers. Those are the big, big hitters. Um, he'll play with them up on the, the dinner table and he will set them up in very particular ways. Like, you know, not like shapes, but you know, like setting them up, organizing them. And when it comes time for dinner, it's like, dude, we got to move your toys. Right. He's like, no, no, no. I'm like, dude, I'm like just trying to move them out of the way. And he's like, no, no, no. They, that's, that's not the right way that they go. And then earlier today, like he had this transformer toy that I did not know how it transformed. You know, I'm at like 30 something year old guy. Like I don't understand these toys anymore. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like some squirrel transformer thing. And, uh, you know, he's like, can you transform it back into a squirrel? I'm like, okay, I'll try, you know, I'll try to get him back. He's like, no, that's not the way it goes. I'm like, how the fuck should I know? How should I know? You know? And it, it's, it's very interesting. Like seeing that, like he's got this mind where things have a a right way and a place you know it's it's interesting because we've spoken about this before on the podcast in ages past where you know kids are thrust into this world you know like the rest of us and you know this is the sort of my Nietzschean thought on this is that like they very much want to make their own world and you know when you when you, uh, you know, break into that world of theirs and like, Hey, sorry, like I've got this own bigger world that's over encompassing yours. They're like, what the fuck, man? Like, I guess that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to allude to. What I'm trying to get at is I don't, sometimes I try to, to empathetically put myself into a parent's shoes or your shoes. Right. You know, how is it that you have this little human who understands to a certain extent who you say, look, you can't, be mean to this person because that's not how we're supposed to act in this mm-hmm. situation. And they're, they're like, I don't understand. Like, what do you mean? I cannot. Yeah. So I guess it's more of like from a very simplistic framework here. Yeah. He's expressing a want. And as a parent, you have to identify when that want is not necessarily in, not necessarily in lines with what is kind of like socially mm-hmm. acceptable. Mm-hmm. And then there's this almost frustrative pushback on like, well, then, I mean, I'm saying that I want to do this and you're telling me no, and I don't understand that. So how do you like bridge that gap? How do you like get, do you like identify moments of like, oh yeah, this is this, or do you like explain or do you like, so how do you approach that? Yeah. I mean, mean, for me, you know, because I had such an, I don't want to say an abrasive childhood, but because I'm so much like my father and because my son is so much like me, you know, my dad did not know my dad did not realize that early on. And so I'm having to think about that, you know, post facto. I'm like, okay, well, if my dad is like this and I'm like this, how do I like, how do I make this easier for my son? And like, how, how can I, you know, make him see sort of the light of day in some certain respects when it comes to some context. And the way that I think about it now, I mean, it's kind of funny if, you know, I put in it like this, but sort of like breaking in a horse, like horses do not really want to be domesticated. I mean, horse, if, if you're familiar at all with horse genealogical, uh, I shouldn't use the word genealogical, but like ancestral, like evolutionary <laughs> just, stuff, like, horses are, horses no, are related to zebras, right? And zebras, um, are, cannot be domesticated. Um, people have tried for centuries to domesticate zebras. You can't do it. However, horses, um, we very successfully, successfully domesticated them. 
And children in that respect are like kind of, you know, they're closer towards horses, but they're definitely more in the middle of like domesticating. Like we really do have to domesticate children or else all hell will break loose seriously in the world. Um, Because the thing is, is what you're trying to do with a child you're trying to break them in some respect. That sounds mean and harsh, also, just but like the terminology sort of... you choose to use, you know what I mean? Like it's what I know, like stagnant <laughs> instead of consistent, or you're trying to break. And I would, you know, like as some might call that just educate, you know, but like, I guess if you, yeah, I mean my, yeah, my vocabulary is obviously uh, much different. But, it's just, you know, um, it's funny. We argue, you're like, no, I'm not that pessimistic. And I'm like, the more that I hear you talk, I'm like, you do have somewhat pessimistic like rhetoric or like the way that you choose to describe. That's, that's funny. I mean, <laughs> we don't have to go off on this tangent, no, but, but I do, <laughs> I would debate that. Um, <laughs> of course I would. But um, yeah. So, you know, the way that I think about it is that like children want to, they are instinctual beings. They're passionate beings. They want to be able to do the things that feels right to them. And it's what we're trying to do as parents is instill some sort of rationality mm. into them. Like, you know, if for I mean, as a good example, oh gosh, I, there was just something earlier today, you know, but like something, something had messed up with something that he was doing, like a game. I can't remember exactly what it was, his tablet or something. And I was like, teach him like, no, dude, it's okay. Like all we have to do is, is X in order and we can, you know, we can fix it. And like, there was a lot of consternation about it. He was upset and, you know, f- and just fretting about the whole issue. And then afterwards, like he came to some sort of like, ah, okay. Like this makes sense. But the whole entire time I'm like, dude, just think about it. Mm. Just think about it. Now, obviously that probably falls on deaf ears, but is what we're trying to, you know, give to kids is some sort of way to like, think about their actions, think about their doing, think about consequences, thinking about the future, because most people are very present. Like they're very in living in the present moment. And some people don't grow out of that. Children are especially living in the present moment. They're like, what feels good? What feels bad right now? Right. And there's some yeah. beauty. There's some truth to it. I mean, there's uh, and my counseling work I'm doing this. There's like work that's called the time traveling mind, where some presenting psychological issues. It's can, like the sister of traveling pants. No, like not at like all. No, it just means that like there are some presented issues where you know people will spend a lot of time in their own past, living in regretful situations. Of, sure, yeah. of situations, and that's kind of like traveling in the past. But also the reverse of that is an anxious style of thinking, which is being very catastrophic or worried about your future. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's, there's techniques of like actually, you know, mindfulness training and things like that too are really about kind of staying present in the given moment. But I think so. it's interesting to teach like that too. Cause like it's, it's, I, I guess what I'm saying is that there are times where, you know, you kind of see that in children and, the whole selfish nature of like certain people or some of the individualistic strong points of our culture, there are moments where it feels like a toddler throwing a tantrum. Sure. You know, I mean, you know, for example, like I talk about this on the road, like I recently um, had some car troubles and oh, really, uh, Oh yeah. I, uh, I, 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 I'd let my girlfriend borrow my car. Uh-huh. And cause I, yeah, thought, hold on real quick. I started. Oh, sorry. This so is sorry. just so new to me because for a long time I've known you as having like the same car for years. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh, jo- like I don't even think about Josh having like car issues, you know, cause like I've had so <laughs> many strains fucking car Dude, issues over the last yeah. few years. And yeah. I've been totally all right. Now, granted, like I've learned that it wasn't, um, so I'll explain. So yeah. essentially, um, she drives an older vehicle and I thought, Hey, you know, the roads are going to be a little bit you know, more hilly and like, you can use my, my vehicle. It'll be a little bit safer. And where was she, where was she taking it? Uh, Ashland. So sure enough back, like you get back 
and uh, from Ashland and uh, about outside of Grants Pass. And so just to let people know, that is, is essentially about two hours and 10 minutes from my current location um, down a highway. Yeah, it's where Ulysses S. Grant stopped once. Thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, that's like a 30 second time period. I'm never going to get back. Anyway, yeah. um, my, front, my front tire exploded. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're not talking just a flat. We're talking full explosion. Like busted out the sidewalls and everything. Yep. 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 All this kind of stuff. So I had to kind of like go down and kind of get that, get that set up. And, and so I got to figure it out. But as I'm driving my car back, you know, I noticed that I really do kind of make the metaphor about like individual choice or want versus like how that hinders other people's choices or wants. Mm -hmm. And there are, it's, it's basically when there's a lot of semis on the road. Now I know most people, wherever you're listening are, I'm assuming that there's going to be logistical trucks that you see semis that are going to be on the road. And you have fast lane and slow lane, typically in a two lane highway. Well, you have a bunch of trucks that are in the slow lane doing what they want, but you have that one truck that decides that they want to pass. Oh yes. So they get over and then it slows everybody in the fast lane all the way down. And so like that one, decision an individual decision to cross lanes because they want to pass the truck and doing so knowing that there's faster traffic on the way like consistently i started to get a little road rage because i'd be going like 70 miles an hour all of a sudden have to slam on my brakes up on i5 right up on i5 yeah, yeah. so i'd slam on my brakes and then i'm going 45 until it gets up and then i've so i, I consi- grind my gears but i scared about it <laughs> i consistently have to do this yeah you know, and so I, I just, there's really interesting connections that I'm kind of making with, it's the same thing as a kid being like, well, why can't I just do this? Because I want to do it. Well, like, yeah, well, it, it doesn't just affect you. Right. Like you have yeah. to be mindful of when a choice that you make actually affects others, people's choices. And then how do you like, where is the line drawn of like, okay, well, I have an individual right to make my choice, but you also have a right to make your choice. Mm-hmm. But my choice is going to hinder your choice or your choice might hinder mine. So right. how do we bridge that gap? You know, it's like, um, I, you know, I heard an interesting anecdote from a coworker a few months ago, back when I was at the event rental company, um, where, you know, this guy, you know, he's, he's a young guy, very, very nice. Um, but, you know, he's, he's quite conservative, part of the Mormon church. Um, and they were very opposed to like COVID um, how to, how to put it like, you know, not COVID restrictions, but you know, like protections put in place and things like that. And, you know, he, he told me this story of going into some, some restaurant, like a Chipotle or something like that, where, you know, like every, everybody's requiring, you know, requiring masks at that time, you know, to enter into a business and he's telling me about this. And now granted, like I have my own thoughts about like, where masking is is effective but if a business you know makes that like a rule right a private like business. then i either adhere to it or i don't go in right and um you know he was he was mentioning that this masking mandate you know like he didn't wear his mask going inside and you know threw up you know a bit of consternation about it and they're like hey please wear your mask please wear your mask or or leave and he was like okay like I'll, I'll like after you know a few minutes of back and forth he decided to just leave and he told me that one of the last remarks he made to, you know, somewhere behind the counter was just like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to do this, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll concede, but I think this is kind of a violation of my rights. And like him saying that I didn't push back in the moment, but I'm like, just thinking, I'm like, well, you clearly are misunderstanding <laughs> yeah. uh, individual rights, you know, because like it is, <laughs> you know, while the governor, you know, and the, and the Oregon state government, you know, instituted a mandate it was left up to counties and businesses in the end to um 
decide on how they wanted to implement those masking policies and other policies like that. And so when a business owner or business franchise is making their decision to, you know, institute masking mandates, that's their right to do so. And you don't have a right to go into like a store necessarily, right? Those rights can be revoked. It's kind of like no shirt, no shoes, no service sort of thing. Sure, like people sure. can take away the right, you know, like if you go into a restaurant, for example, you know this because you're in the restaurant industry, but if somebody starts causing a ruckus and they're like, hey, I'm here paying money, aren't I? You know, it's just like, no, you don't understand. Like you don't have a right to cause a ruckus in here. Right. And similarly, if you are asking people to wear a mask and they don't adhere that by that, you know, like, oh, this is against my rights. It's like, actually, it's not like, this is our business. Right. You we, know? Have the, we have the right to refuse service. You know, and that. I think that's too, I learned this the other day too, that I thought was really interesting and I'll try to find the actual source for this, for the show notes. But I, I learned that the, the, the customer's always right. Right. That's a, that's a phrase <laughs> yeah. that's, that's yeah. used. So that's actually not a hundred percent factual. Right. Like most things <laughs> or like, anybody in the service industry would agree with no, you. No, I mean yeah. like, like most things though, it is a shortcut or it is a yes. cutoff. I don't remember who said it, but the full phrase is something along the lines of the customer is always right in the matter of taste. Oh, interesting. I feel like I've heard that, but yeah, yeah I mean, it so, sounds very familiar. Yeah. So with that addition of the full quote in a matter yeah. of taste, it means that if like, you know, we have a customer that comes in who gets a cold Caesar salad and he asks for a side of hot marinara and he dumps the hot marinara on top of his Caesar and he eats it. Uh-huh. But you're saying this happened or are you giving it? This example? is no, this is a literal thing that okay. happens. Yeah. Um, and because of that, I think that's what it means by taste, right? The customer is yeah. always right in the matter of taste. So if they want to, Oh, I didn't put together two and two together. You're saying marinara sauce. <laughs> yeah. Marinara yeah, like on a Caesar warm salad, marinara yeah. on a, yeah. on, a, on a cold Caesar salad, yeah. you know? And so that, or like even clothing styles, like right. if you're like, whatever, if you think fashion or something, so in the right of taste, not necessarily right in general. Yeah. Like I'm wearing toe shoes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which i don't like is there a real purpose to that let's not get into it um what do you mean, what do you mean? What do you mean? let's not get into it i mean i trust you i'm just not i'm just not one to have uh, like purpose you toe shoes well what yes i mean i not all the time but i mean what are the what are the purpose of shoes <laughs> No, I mean, they're to protect comfortable your feet, I guess. Well, like, yeah, I, I guess the Jesus a primary, I guess the, the thing with toe shoes specifically is that they are supposed to be more like form uh, over fashion sort of a thing, like form and, fa and function over fashion where such that it fits much more closely to your to your foot. There's not as much there's some padding, you know, on, on the bottom, but there's no like major ankle or um, or heel support. Or, or arch support it is just like as close to your natural foot as possible and i tell you what the first time i ever wore toe shoes uh, to toe shoes toe shoes <laughs> um is that i felt many more muscles in my feet than i have ever done just walking on like hard concrete surfaces and stuff like that through the city or or, or like on a hike um it, i felt you know this is sort of you know woo woo to, to say this but i felt more in touch with my feet in the ground than i ever had before it's something that's it's kind of hard to describe unless you feel it um and then like feeling the balance that you have from your toes as if you're barefoot 
Um, it's just very interesting. It just does something different to your physiology that you're, that you're unaware before. Um, anyway, um, well, still I not digress. Get them, so yeah, that's... <laughs> don't worry about it. The customer's always right and a matter of taste. Um, yep, yep, there we go. We um, but no, no, no. I, I think, too, it's like, and, you know, for listeners here, as we're, we're kind of riffing, this is, we're just going to give you some insight here on, on what's kind of been going on with us, I, I, I say. We've been, you know, there's been a few, I, I want to give a shout out to, you know, obviously new listeners, welcome. Like, if we didn't have, it, uh, Ian and I talk about this, when you start off as like a small podcast with, with right. two people. Like, right now, I'm not, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it everyone we are we're in a bedroom there is a bed that is in between not, just, and not I. just a bedroom your bedroom oh right? in, yeah i guess we should specify yeah. <laughs> no, we're in a random with clothes on. House. um yeah we're fully yeah. closed but no yeah. the, so we are kind of you know back to the homegrown nature i feel of the for podcast. sure and so yeah i i like homebrew. Homebrew, homebrew i guess you know in my yeah. acting training there was uh dan donahue is a really famous um stage actor i guess really famous is, is pushing it for the stage community we know who dan donahue is um, never heard of this person in my life well he was an OSF actor for a while he's done some stuff he's actually I don't know if he's still with her but he was dating Stephanie Beatrice for a while who was an actress on Brooklyn Nine-Nine with Andy Samberg oh okay and a few other stuff. So, I've, I've seen that show my essentially yeah essentially he did like a Hamlet at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival which is a very prominent um, uh, Shakespeare Shakespearean festival in the nation actually that's here in Oregon I believe that but um, the Hamlet that he did the the um, audio of that almost got nominated for an Emmy, I think. Oh, for, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, good job. Right. What for I'm sa- essentially saying is, like, he, when I was still in my undergrad, he came in and kind of did a little workshop with us as oh, actors. Sure. Yeah. And he talked about the thing with acting that's interesting is he said, you only need one person, one person to view you, to have you act for an mm-hmm. audience, per se. And yeah. they used to practice this. I see, where I he, see that. Yeah, he was talking about how in Chicago, um, the the acting school down there would do these things where they would build in like certain particular heavy um, like park areas or things like that. They would build okay. these boxes that had one chair, and an actor was supposed to prep a monologue or prep like something for them, and they were supposed to wait there. And then there was like a light that that blinked when there was a person who came in and sat down. Hmm. And they were supposed to open up a curtain and it was an experiment where they got t- they got blocks like one actor had a two hour block and anybody that sat down, just the one person who was able to go in there, you had to open up the curtain and then you performed something for this one person. Yeah. And it was trying to let you know that even like the angst that you feel or the performance anxiety or having a new perspective, just one person you should be able to feel something similar to having an audience of 3000 or an audience of like of, of plus yeah. above. So I take that. The only reason I tell this whole story is because not only have we been not producing new content for several months, but we're consistently still getting like 15 to, you know, 15 to to 30 downloads sometimes a little bit lower, a little bit higher, depending on the week consistently. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I mean, I haven't been able, for some reason, I haven't been able to get into our, um, into our account, but to see the numbers, but um and i know you get the email notifications of it but it it is pretty amazing <laughs> especially going back you know every once in a while and looking at some of our most popular episodes i'm you know kind of galled by that you know like i'm you know our nihilism episode has been consistently the highest download episode that we've ever had that's very strange to me it is um, like, per- per- i guess it's not that strange but um yeah i guess given everything going on but it's but the point is is that to some big podcasts, to some people listening in the big podcasts, like a number like 15 might be many a school. 
but to us right. that's on the ground floor. It's not like Joe Rogan numbers. Right, exactly. And we're not even like, you know, like that's the thing too with podcasting as well. You have all of these stars now with already a viewership power. That Seriously, just... it's kind of actually, you know, sorry to digress for a second, but it's kind of ridiculous like just how much clout celebrities already have. And they're like, oh, I'll just start a podcast, you know, because not only can they like produce, like they have enough money to where they can like pay somebody to produce a show for them, you know, but they're already going to have an audience. It's a built in audience. You know, somebody like people like us, where you have to work on that. Like we're already starting on the lowest rung of the ladder. Yeah. Welcome to privilege. Uh, Prime example of, you know, there's the yeah. celebrity Actor privilege, privilege. Celebrity Actor privilege. Privilege. Celebrity yeah. privilege. So for us that is starting on the ground floor, the fact that we still have consistently like our season bullshitters are still, you know, either finding us or, or people are still listening. That, that means a lot, you know, and we, Definitely. we have been having some interesting, you know, I, with schooling and work and life, we just got to a point where with you moving, like we just couldn't consistently kind of do this. And so the yeah. fact that, you know, we fast forward here, we are, you know, months and months later, mm-hmm. getting a chance to sit across from each other and actually be on mic, which feels more natural than I thought oh, it would. To- you know what totally. I mean? Of course. I thought I mean, there was going to be. You know, you know what it is. I because... know, but, but I thought there was going to be a moment of like, oh no, like I'm not, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Like I, I'm, I might. Well, it doesn't feel unnatural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, to be fair, you know, I, I mean, I know exactly what you mean and and how you feel because, you know, in my personal life, I don't know how much you get it, but in my personal life, I don't really get the kind of stimulus that i would otherwise from doing the podcast because you know it's whether it's at work or at home you know like my wife tiffany i mean she's great she's amazing you know and unless we're on like a track to talk about something interesting you know i i can't turn off my brain and in my sort of conversational nature and you know, I would just go, I would just start and I, and I can't stop. And, and, you know, my wife, every once in a while, she's like, can we just not talk about this anymore? I'm like, okay, <laughs> like I'm kind of having fun. You know, I, I, you know, I sort of, and I'll, I'll, I'll actually bring something up here in a moment, but, um, you know, in other aspects of my life, I just don't get the same sort of stimulus that I do from the podcast. And the thing about podcasting for me personally, as someone who found, uh, studying philosophy really natural and, you know, way back when, you know, and somewhere in 2018, when we got together for the first time and started having conversations and you coming over, um, it just felt, it was so fun. Yeah. And the exercise of it, that's that's where I wanted to get at is like the exercise of it is, I think that's what's so stimulating is like just have, I mean, cause you know, we've had really interesting conversations about very different topics and ideas and to just like not stop you know, yeah. and go into something and like really beat it to death sometimes. Sure. Um, I, it's the exercise. It know? is. And, and it's like, and this is the thing we try to promote, like, you know, and we'll, we'll make the state. Never once have we tried to claim that we are experts, that we are. Mm, um, well, no, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but because I, I think the port that the reason why that we kind of started this whole thing in the first place, which I could think is, is important for us to kind of want to get back to is that there are everyday people that go out into the world that try to make sense of this life that we have, depending on where you are. And there's so many complex themes and there's so many different viewpoints and perspectives and understandings and like histories and all of this shit that it's, it's impossible to think that one person could ever, you know, you're going to miss so many things throughout Mm -hmm. your lifetime. That's just the truth of it. But if we can spend the time to try to investigate some of these things, I want that to encourage others to do the same because it's important to, I believe, 
like if you if you are an advocate for a you know a a cause that you find important learning how to philosophize for lack of a better term or to to question or to understand where other sides are coming from not only can help you understand your own side it can help you it can help you with like articulating your argument it can help you with critical thinking in other areas of your life I just feel like it's important and, and you and I doing this exercise to do that. Like, I hope that it, it leads others down. You know what? I, these are questions I may never asked before. These are questions yeah. I haven't experienced deeper, but I want to try to do that. I feel like yeah. it's, it's cool. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, you know, because like, in, you know, throughout my life and, and in the recent past, you know, like there have definitely been people, you know, that you run into every once in a while that are sort of. Uh, detract from that nature where they're just, they want to be comfortable, you know, and it doesn't really matter like what, what it is. They just, they just want to be comfortable in, in their, in their own mind. And that's perfectly fine. You know, I, you know, it's, it's, you want to, you know, if you want to do what you want to do, like it's perfectly fine, you know, but I think for those of us who, um, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, like are either frustrated or, or fed up with just some of the things that are going on in the world and what we see online yeah. or, um, you know, just the, you know, general discourse and, you know, amongst friends or something like that. It's kind of like, mm, man, like you didn't really think about that very well. Or, you know, it's, it's not even, it's like, oh, I have the right answers to everything, but you know, so there are sometimes you meet people who are so sure about their ideas or, or so sure of just about something. And you're like, mm, man, like I'm not sure, right? And I know? feel like that. I feel like that is actually the crux of what gets you in trouble sometimes. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, you are. It's not that you not. It's not that you're not denying that these people don't feel sure about right. what they're saying. It's just more of like you have a this. And I'm you know, and I'm going to pass this along to you when I'm done with this to, to kind of explain where this comes from. But you have this this tenacity, for lack of a better term, this drive, this this maybe urge that you cannot stop yourself of being like, okay, well that something is said that a point was made, mm -hmm. you know, and you kind of link into that. Okay. Here, here's an example. We had a friend over and, uh, and we've talked about this on mic a little bit, but I feel like this is really what like got you. He did we? Yeah. So he essentially made the comment that, Oh yes. I know what you're referring to. Yeah. That yeah. the, the, that the purpose of all, like the initial purpose of technology is for good. Yeah. But yeah. Something along the lines of like all technology is for the good all of technology is for the good of humanity. Yeah. You know? And so a it's bold statement. Yes. It is yeah. a bold, it's a bold belief, but it, but it is a, it, and it was said in such a surified, if that's not even a word, but you know, such a, it's just it's fine. Yeah. But in such You're a Shakespearean, a, <laughs> you can make a word. <laughs> yeah. in such a way that it was, it was definitive. You're right. right. Yeah. And it's not that you're denying that he didn't feel definitive about that, but there there's things where you're like, okay, well then, then you become curious as to why is that so solidified? But instead right. of just saying, Hey, why is that so solidified? You actually try to pick holes in things mm -hmm. and see how they respond to those holes. Right. Yeah. Well, because I mean, if you think about it, most people go through life, you know, either hearing certain ideas or, or being taught certain ideas, you know, from family, friends, parents, teachers, certain ideas about the world, about any, anything. Um, and they just, they're like, oh, I mean, this is sort of an authority figure. Like, I'm just going to take their word for it because why wouldn't you trust people, you know, whom, whom you are close to? And I think that's a totally fair rationalization. Um, but the thing is, is, there are certain modes of thinking, let's say, that are necessarily um, 
not as thorough as some other forms of thinking. That does not mean that that certain forms of thinking are better per se. It just means that some way modes of thinking are a little bit more thorough in their interrogation of a certain subject. I know that's a very highfalutin way of saying like, did you really fucking think about that very much? Um, and something like the the technology issue that you know the um, I won't say his name, but you know, but when yeah. when he came over, yeah. at, I was. You know, not only had I been drinking heavily, but I was like really flabbergasted by that. And it totally destroyed my brain. Right. Like I was not only drunk, but I'm like, what the fuck did he just say? And like, it totally, <laughs> it totally just like threw me into this tailspin in my own mind. Sure. I remember like standing across from you and you're, and you're just like, give me the look like, when, when are you going to fucking say something, dude? And I'm just like, oh, God. right. Because yeah, I, I was, think, too, it's yeah. like one could argue it's like maybe, maybe the initial intention. You can say the intention sure. of technology is right. for the betterment of humanity. And then you can have like certain welfare. But like, for example, you know, in that moment, I didn't bring this up. But thinking about it, I'd have been like, OK, well, the Manhattan Project. Yeah. How is that? How, how is, is that, that for the for better for betterment of humanity? Right. Humanity, so like yeah. you can argue. So the, the creation of the of the atomic bomb. Mm hmm. You know, science involved, technology involved to make that happen because you need a particular. Now, right. maybe one could argue, well, no, like the technology to split atoms or to do this is actually it was initially designed for energy and yada yada hoozy. And like you can you can Definitely make an argument. Right. But you're on the right like, track. You're yeah. on the right track, though, because here's the thing, you know, like you look at the statement, right, or the claim um, or, prop, you know, proposition that, you know, those are all the same thing. Um, that <laughs> the technology is always uh, for the, the good of the people or for the betterment of humanity, you know, something like that. You know, you just look at that claim. It's like, okay, well, what do you mean? Like, what do you, your words in that sentence mean? Sure. You know, and yeah. it's, that bothers people. Like it really does when you're like, what do you mean by that? Especially like, it's such an obvious statement. Well, How not just that not though, know? but you, you're, you're also not just that, but you're also very particular about like certain word choices and definitions of those words. Yes. Yeah. Like, so you'd be like, Oh, that, you know, like if you, if you say that too, you can be like, okay, well you, you know, you happen to use the word that like for the good of humanity, Yeah. then you'll be like, what is good? Yeah. For humanity? yeah. What is, what is that? What yeah. does that mean? Right. Like, okay, well then how are you defining technology? Yeah. What is in that boat? So if you're saying words like tech, like all technology created is for the good of humanity, well then what? How are you defining good? How are you defining humanity? How are you defining technology? Right. Where are these beliefs coming? And that yeah. you're right. That could be fucking exhausting to get that. It really is. It really is. And it feels like you know to most people, it feels like oh, this is just semantics or like what is the point of this? Like well, it can't seems you just hoity accept what I'm fucking saying? You know, not yeah, not just that, but like unfortunately, it seems hoity-toity sure. or it yeah. seems, you know highbrow like, yeah and, and and i mean right. that more in the negative context that it's used in of course yeah what, um, which is you know interesting because like the person whom we were having this you know i won't even say discussion but like who who made that comment you know you could pro they would probably argue that they're just as highbrow as anybody any any other private you know intellectual right who's somebody who's just having deep thoughts with friends you know like i from from just me gathering being in front of this being in this person's presence you know a handful of times they're probably very you know they probably have very strong convictions and they they are probably somewhat well read in the media and things like that like so they want to be part of the conversation and you know and then they go on and make a fucking stupid statement like that and Jeez. you know and, I, and i'm just like man yeah. where the fuck do you get off but i can't but it, that's the thing is why like, are you getting some like <laughs> okay i was saying how to be i'm like you're getting very so, be very lowbrow right now you're well, not just low but you're just being very like like brooklyn aggressive i guess <laughs> like, <laughs> brooklyn, you would know <laughs> Um, 
That, that wasn't even a slight. No, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll say that the only reason is like one time I was in, I was, I was in Brooklyn. I was in, um, I was, oh God. Okay. I don't quite remember where I was at, but I was in a bagel Somewhere shop. Somewhere in New York. I was in New York. I was in a Brooklyn bagel shop. And I was, you know what? It was busy. It was like in a morning time and I was about to pitch. There's like four people in front of me. And there was this, this gentleman had like gone out of the, he'd gone back from the bathroom and he like got in like third place in line. And the dude that was three back, he goes, the fuck you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and the guy's like, no, no, this is where I was. And it's a bathroom. He's like, no, if you have to go to the bathroom, you lose your spot in line. Let's shove it back of the fuck. You ain't getting in front of me back right. of the fucking line. Yeah. Yeah. And like, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I was yeah. like, okay, right. Um, I mean, that's more of a New Yorker thing. I feel like there's... it makes sense though. Like I, would pr- I appreciate that. This is the thing, dude. Yeah. You know, like I spent a very brief amount of time in New York, so yeah. I'm not saying that you know right. half a year. So I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not saying you're an expert in New York. No, but what I will say is that the two things that I've noticed about New Yorkers is a they're all of them act as if they're five minutes late to whatever they're doing. Right. If yeah. they are traveling anywhere. Just assume that they're like, five I'm fucking behind. late. I gotta go. They're not saying that. Yeah. Like they're not necessarily saying that. But right. The the, the, pace the attitude, of, like the yeah. attitude, the movement, and the second thing about that is, do not do not fuck with New Yorkers when they're when they're on their way, when they are in transit yeah. to where they're going. Yeah. Once they are where they need to be, nice people. Yeah. You know what? I'm <laughs> right. over, I'm overgeneralizing here yeah, a little course, bit, but yeah. like when I walk into a bar or something, and everybody that's there is there because they want to be Are you there specifically talking about Italian Americans. No, okay. I'm specifically talking about like more, more well, that that was derivative. Um, <laughs> we're not going to unpack that. Quite yeah, a bit, right, but, yeah. um, Jesus, but yeah. no, there, there's this sense of like, New Yorkers are really nice people when they are where they need to be. But if they're in transit and you try to interrupt, you try to do anything. It's like, of course. and there's more of like, no bullshit. Like, Hey, look, we all have to deal with this. Get the fuck out of my way. So, yeah. But yeah. I feel like that's also, you know, and for me, it's, that's also just like just the unique dynamics of, of social stuff too, where it's right. like the West coast is way more false polite. Oh, oh, for of lack course. of a better yeah. term. Passive aggressive. Like passive aggressive yeah. is, is probably a better term than false polite because, yeah. but some, oftentimes I don't feel like it's full passive aggressiveness though. I don't think it's, sure. how do I say this? A lot of the times I don't think it's fully conscious. Like I feel like in order to be pass, yeah. actually, maybe let's argue this for a second in order to be passive aggressive. There has I, to me, there has to be a conscious element of understanding that that's what you're doing. I think, yeah, I think there's like, it's, it's probably like 80, 20, 80, 20. You're, you're aware of what you're doing. 20%. You're just like, oh, you can't help it. Um, yeah. It's going to be know, like a level, just like a small level. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe 10% you're, you're not aware of what you're doing, <laughs> you know, but yeah, most of the time you're just like, oh yeah, thanks. Thanks for holding the door for me. You know? Well, no, this see passive aggressive. That's like almost forward. Aggressive. The passive aggressive, passive aggressive is, is more of like alluding to a positive thing in a manner that is negative. So like, for example, saying thanks, right? You're not alluding to anything positive. Thanks in itself is positive, but like, you know, the common one is it's, it surprises. Like it's, you're so courageous for just like going out like you are. Oh yeah. The fact that you just the fact that you can just that leave, seems very, like that's like a very the fact that like, you can just leave the house example. looking like that. Yeah, you seem just so comfortable. You, in yeah, your own, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You just, you so you just see like it's the fact that you can just be who you are and just feel comfortable with that. Like you're courageous. Yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah. You're so courageous. That that, um, that is like what I mean. So like, so <laughs> then you're no, like, yeah, you're like I feel like you're what you're saying sounds like a compliment. 
Right, but you're really shitting on that person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and to, uh, you know, I know we're <laughs> detracting from a whole conversation that we had planned out. No, no, uh, well, but no. Well, I'm actually, I'm actually have a plan for that because, okay. like, first we're bullshitting. So I, I want to take a break soon. Yeah, that's a good. And then idea. I figure what we can do is we can we can specify, hey, this is what we're gonna do when we get back from the break. Right. Because there has been some shit going on. Yes, that we need to catch up on. Yeah, just a um, little bit. You know, we can't catch up on everything because we, we're trying to limit this to an hour and a half digestibility. Right. Episode yeah. wise. Yeah. Remember our original days? Oh, yes. Two and a half, three hour yeah, episodes. Yeah, they were great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. You I mean, like the first like few episodes, like, you know, didn't we just like sit in your fucking uh, kitchen, you know, <laughs> kitchen, with one mic? Yeah, with one mic. Like, hey, so like, I don't think there should be a state. I'm a libertarian. Oh, l- 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 let's talk for three and a half hours yeah. in a, in a very it. echoey room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, we'll take a break here in a minute. But um, I do think, you know, to get back to what you were saying, just I. You know, I don't know, you know, we're not trying to psychoanalyze me or anything like that, but I do have a way of just annoying people because I think the thing is, it's like deep down people just want to be believed and be trusted and like have a trusting relationship with others. And so, I mean, how many times have you, you know, had conversation with somebody who's like, dude, that fucking, that Joe Biden guy. And you're like, oh yeah, dude, Joe Biden. You know, I mean, I know not you personally might have that conversation. Just like, oh yeah, you know, fuck that guy. You know, you don't really like, you don't want to question the person that you're having a conversation with because it's just, it's just much easier to just get, fucking go along, you know? And somebody like me, like I don't, I mean, I do it sometimes, you know, just to let people go along if, you know, depending on like how pragmatic it is to to interrupt their, their whole line of fucking thought. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, you're talking, you're mentioning something about like where that comes from. And I don't really know. Um, but there is something, there's this something I can't help, you know, a lot of the times just fuck. What do you like? Why are you saying that? You know, why are you saying that? And I don't know. I mean, I don't really remember any examples in the past of like where that has happened. You and I, I guess we need to get back into the podcasting. Yeah. That's, um, that's essentially where, but, I mean, but it's a lot in that it's, it's, it's something that we've, before we even started the podcast, when we were just doing our basic conversations, like that's, I, I just, I don't remember exactly what was said, but I do remember having a mild frustration of being like, Jesus, now I have to backtrack and explain what I mean. Yeah. You know, like when I'm like, just read my goddamn mind or not read my mind. It's more of like, there are, there are situational things. I'm like, look, I feel like it's, it's, it's important or this is something that's like universally known, but it may not be. And there's right. other times where, you know, trying to explain it's, uh, you, we run into the problem of overgeneralization too. Of course. And that's something that yeah. I do typically where, you know, there, and you see that all the time. You see media where it's like, you know, you'll see this one dude, like you'll see, you know, for example, I, I, I frequent TikTok. And right. it's a series of videos. So, so there's, there, there's clips sometimes of podcasters who are filming themselves in real time doing podcasts. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of it has to do with like, you'll see this one thing where, you know, it's, you have these people that are discussing a topic and they're chatting about this. And then they say something like, you know, this, they're not experts. So this dude chat. Well, you know, all men right. do this. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well you can't, you can't just say that. You can't. Well, I mean, like, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, you are you are using a loose generalization where you're saying this as like we can. And this is what's interesting, right? Contextually speaking, am I somebody who is savvy enough to go if they say they're really meaning in their experience most men that they've encountered or mm-hmm. most of them they've talked to, arguably, yeah. But they're using the you know, the rhetoric all men. 
And so this is the thing for you. So like, this is what we were be chatting. It's an example of if I would make a statement of like, well, no, no, no. Like most, I would say like, well, you know, people actually do this. I remember in the beginning, you're like, do all, do it. Do all people do that? <laughs> you know? And it's like, you know, when it comes off as sassy or whatever, right. but it will really, what it's trying to do is it's trying to get, okay, let me take a step back here and be like, and you know, then I have to clarify. I'm like, look, okay. And you, know, okay. I have an example. Okay. Wonderful. Religion. Yeah. You know, I will say, you know, oh, oh no, religious people are judgmental. You know, and at some point you're like, oh, really? All religious people are judgmental? I'm like, okay, then I have to backtrack <laughs> and then I have to clarify. In my experience, one. Yeah. Most of the people, most, not all, most of the people that I've interacted with that claim to, be, that claim to be spiritual in the sense of religion tend to be more judgmental and tend to, like to hold hatred for people that are different than what their religion dictates mm -hmm. more often than the non-religious. Right. And so, yeah, it might be more of a mouthful. So you can say most in my experience, mm -hmm. but it annoyed me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, why the fuck am I? Cause this I'm like, obvious, like it's <laughs> obvious that I'm yeah. talking about my experience, but then in, in, in hindsight, when you really look at it, it may not be obvious depending on who you're talking to. Right. It definitely may not be obvious to some people. Then, then also too, I just think that when, you know, not necessarily your and I project, like with this podcast, like we are just two guys bullshitting. Right. Um, you know, but like in, in the broad sense of the world, like I think people in general are just trying to cooperate with each other so that they themselves can like feel some sort of happiness or like fulfillment in life. Right. And you know, in order to do that, we do have to cooperate. And I think that in life, I am of the belief that in order to betterly cooperate, we need to better communicate with one another. And part of that comes from like being as clear as possible. And sometimes that involves like brutally dissecting what we say and what we mean. And oftentimes that gets us into stalemates. Yeah. And sometimes it feels counterintuitive and counterproductive. And that's obviously a valid criticism, you know, and I don't, I don't want to call this person out, but you know, but recently when we did have a bit of a, let's say heated debate, um, uh, I think it was, it's fair to say that, you know, you know, the third party, um, expresses that frustration with yeah. like what this seems like a pointless exercise like yeah. why can't you know because in the end i think whether or not we admitted it or not we were all trying to head to the same place uh and try to come to a point of agreement and i think we did agree mostly but despite that like on my part i made the frustrating effort of trying to dissect every little thing and yeah you know and 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 that just it really feels counterproductive to people, I think. It does. And I think, and that's a really good thing to specify. And I think it also, it's, it gets tricky because, okay, this might be, some camps might view what I'm about to say as realistic and other camps might view it pessimistic. <laughs> but I would, I argue that the major conflict that will never go away, this is what I mean, the conflict that will never go away, is this blend of teaching people that we are individuals with our own single choices, but then put us in a collective society mm -hmm. where we all have to live together in a certain right, right? In a town, we're not living together in, in personal bedrooms, but we are living together in a grander arc. Yeah. yeah. And 
I have to share the roads with you. I have to go to the stores with you. We we have to shop at the same places. We have to we the markets for for food or for rent or for for housing or for any of the basic needs. We all have to suffer those same markets. Mm-hmm. And so there will never not be conflict between this idea of what I feel like my right is an as an individual and what my duty is as a citizen as a society collectively. Yeah. There will always be conflict. Yeah. And maybe what you're trying to say is what lessens that conflict is healthy communication, but communication in the sense like, and what, how am I going to define healthy? Yeah. I'm going to define healthy as in a sense of there has to be two elements that I think that you're thinking. There's an emotional element, which we all have, but there has to be a sense of rational element within Mm -hmm. that as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And like, does, does the world we live in, you know, that we want to live in make sense? Right. And I think that that this is also a difficult balance that causes conflict. Emotional belief and rational belief are going to cause conflict. Yeah. They're often contradictory. Right. And then, then there's moments where like people can't even understand where there's people that claim to be rational that are clearly emotional. Mm -hmm. And there's people that are emotional that can surprisingly be rational. Yeah. And so they're the most clear thinking people, you know? Sure. And so when you look at that, like that is where maybe I'm sympathetic to this argument of like the, the art of conversation needs to be explored and taught in a much better manner, because how can you bridge the gap? And this is where I struggle. Yeah. As, as we talk about, you know, whether it be political views or lifestyle views, the reason why I would consider myself a progressive, as we talked about this a little bit off mic, but. As you move forward, there, there becomes a new normal and a new bar to reach. Like, you know, if you look at throughout history, it's, it's easier with sports records, right? Or, or certain, like, mile records. You look at the first mile that was ever ran. Well, then somebody saw that possible, they beat that. Then that record got beat. Then that record got beat. And as a, a bar is set, there are people that come over that, that are going to try to reason or, or beat that bar. And records are broken every day. So in a sense of a society... There is going to be a new normal that's established. That might be great. Okay, we're, we're way better off than we are, yes, statistically, than we were, you know, 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. But what is wrong with saying, okay, well, here's where we are now, but now we need to shoot for this. Now, because it's our new normal, it feels great to the fact that we can talk about things like, oh, public health care, right? Well, we can argue about that. That's crazy. If you think about that, there was a time when... <laughs> When, when that conversation just wasn't happening. Yeah. And it didn't matter. Yeah, exactly. So all I'm saying is, is there's some people that get frustrated that now we're arguing about is, is public health care a fundamental right or not in a society? Right. Yeah. And I'm not here to argue that that'll be another episode. Mm -hmm. What I am here to argue though, is as a progressive, I think it's, I think it's wonderful in my personal opinion that that conversation could even be had because we've met it. Oh yeah. We've hit a certain bar. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's actually, you know, like in, in mentioning that and noticing that is like, that's, that's part of allows those broader and better conversations, frankly, to happen because, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure you're aware of this, but you know, whether or not you would say it is that you're, your views that you're expressing just in that moment, right, about like the sort of progressivism and everything like that is a philosophical point of view, right? And the thing is, what's, what's interesting about that is like you, you made this huge list of facts, right, about like we live, you know, A, we live in different times. You know, this is not the 19th century anymore. It's not the 20th century anymore. We're living in the 20th century. Factors are different. Our lives are different. The, the the economy is different. Like you're making all these facts, right? And then beneath that, like you have a philosophical structure, whether or not you know it or not, that is allowing those those facts to like 
etch into certain places, yeah. right, within that philosophical worldview. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to interpret the world this way. And then I have to have, con- not necessarily you're saying this, but like, you know, sometimes you have conversations in a particular way because of your, because of your philosophical worldview. And I think what's great is that because we're in this setting specifically, but like as, you know, each other on a whole, like we can recognize that like that view that you're having is not the only view. And it's also like something that will necessarily lead lead to some type of, like you mentioned earlier, some sort of conflict. Conflict, yeah. You know, I could, you know, we're not going to do this now, but like I could like appreciate the facts that you're that you you know the 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 very simple ones that you made in that statement and then like make other critiques about the about the philosophy behind it sure you know like there's this great quote from uh four v ferrari did you ever see that movie with uh christian bale and matt damon no it's a great movie just as far as like the craft and you know i'm not going to go into it sure but like there is you know this is a guy who who uh drove real quick uh, though what do you mean by great no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) i'm just joking uh in the literal definition Uh, yeah drove anyway so like he he was a he was a driver for ford uh for shelby um and um you know there is this scene with him and his son like on a racetrack somewhere in somewhere near la Mm. and he made this interesting uh, point where he said, you know, because he was like always trying to like do better in time and, and like drive the, push the car to its limits and everything. And he said, you know, out there is the perfect track, you know, like there's the perfect, you know, time limit I make and all this kind of stuff. And it's very interesting to think about that. There is like this sort of like platonic space or idea out there that like I can make the perfect track. It may not be me, you know, it, it may not be in that car. It may not be, you know, but like on that track right there, there's the perfect track somewhere out there. And I find that very interesting, like in the context of like politics or philosophy, for example, like when you're talking about like progressivism and you yourself identifying as a progressive, again, we're getting really meta here. I'm getting really meta, yeah, but are. like saying that, like, we can talk about reaching something better. We can, it's not necessarily perfection per se, but like we can have conversations about getting somewhere better and you have that perspective. Cause it doesn't necessarily mean in my perspective, right. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a handout. It doesn't necessarily mean it's laziness. It just means sure. that we have reached yeah. a point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That we've reached a point because we've worked hard to achieve that because we've mm-hmm. had to fight for some of these things. Yeah. And there is in every generation, you look at this, every generation, the generation before them is, is a little hesitant when it comes to these kind of changes where it's like, well, we dealt with this. Right. So I don't know why you're wanting this. Like, for example, let's take a look at, you know, okay. When they're getting off. <laughs> yeah. I know we can't help ourselves. Cause I, I do want to, I do want to take a break at yeah. least for the last half hour to have yeah. for current events. But like, I would like to imagine that like during the Vietnam war <sighs> in the sixties, there was a lot of people that were opposed to the draft and going to the war. You know, you look yes. at Woodstock yeah. and like the idea of promoting peace, love and, and happiness. And so, you look at like, you know, maybe there's people like, well, I had to serve in World War II or like, you know, everybody served World War II. So it's, it's silly to me that you feel that you shouldn't have to serve in war for your country. Mm-hmm. But these people are like, no, no, like they're, they, were, they were trying to establish that that's your baseline. We have now developed society to get to the point where we shouldn't have to do right, this. Yeah. Also, the Vietnam War is like a different war than World War II. I'm, but all know? I'm saying, no, I'm is, just saying, like yeah, from their sure, perspective, yeah, yeah, they're exactly. like, it's not the same war, you right? Know? And, well, but they're saying it's not the same in the sense that, like, we have grown and this is like where we are now. But they're saying, no, since we went through that, you have to go through that in right. its own right. A very simplistic way of viewing that. Also, clearly, um, the people didn't want to go go to war were obviously fucking communists. So, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> oh 
see, this is where you do those things where you make jokes, but since I'm sitting across from you, I know that you're joking, but some people may not know that you're joking. Am I? Um, yeah. So why don't we tell you what, why don't <laughs> okay. we take a break? Um, right, because right. if we don't take a break now, yeah, we will yeah, just okay. keep you know, going. You're, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll just say this. We're going to take a break. When we get back from the break, we're going to spend roughly the last half hour and we're going to talk about current events. Yeah. Um, things that are going on. We might end with some, with some nerd stuff, but we can cover that once we kind of get there, how we go. So yeah, we're going to take a quick break. Everybody rest up. <laughs> Stay in your seats. Refill your drinks. Stay, Stay in your, your seats. seats. Stay in the car. Don't, don't leave the it's, car. It's always funny to me because like for us, the break is like maybe five to 10 minutes to just like fresh. Sometimes it up. it's like a day or two or the, a week. It's, it's happened. It's yeah. happened one time where it's like a week, you know, yeah. but for, you know, for anybody else, I'm like, all right, well then they also, it could be, it could yeah. be, they can I'll, skip you know, this. Skip or, 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> We'll be back from the break. We'll be back from the break. Okay, welcome back from the break. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back from the break. It's like that anticipation. You it, know? it is. Well, you know, and actually, like, to, to let listeners know as well, and I think I've mentioned this once prior, but it, it's important. I always tell Ian... Can we do like a five second pause? (laughs) And the only reason being is because when I go in and edit this later and I'm trying to break when we, you know, break the audio up for when we actually take a break, a part of that is, is trying to find the spot where that actually takes place. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I can just listen through and go, but like, it's really nice having like just a clear line of silence. I'm like, Oh Yeah. There it is. Like there, there it is. Like yeah. that, that's the spot where I need to, to cut the audio and, and add in the little break. But I mean, still, nonetheless, it's still always funny that we just sit here. <laughs> well, to be fair, I think, you know, it started obviously as that sort of practical way of like, you know, being able to delineate, okay, like where are we actually starting this conversation? And, you know, there was a period of time, you know, when we were uh, doing this remotely and I would just wait as long as possible. <laughs> it is easy. Okay, I, I will admit too. It is easier sitting across from you in yes. person. Yes. To identify so much better. Yeah, but to identify those pauses rather than like being in, in a space where like if the if, if we because at first we were doing this program that had like this video where we can kind of see her, but oh, it would yeah. be a little glitchy sometimes or it wouldn't always work. Often and it was some, yeah, often. and sometimes we wouldn't do that. So I'd be yeah. like, I don't, I, I'm not sure the duration of we haven't we didn't pre-discuss the amount of time we should be paused or or just like the amount of times that you would get you know cut from the uh cut from the connection oh you know yeah. like the i'll tell you what do the remote thing i'm so fucking glad to be done with that because it was just like i'd be talking i'm like Oh, you're you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then yeah. we have to like try to find a way to organically put the conversation back. Oh and yeah, split the amount of towards... technical issues that we ran into. It was um, wild. So yeah. it is it is a simpler form here. But now that we're back from the break, this is something that I we you know Ian and I kind of discussed that he wanted to talk about a few things that's been going on in the world. Right. Um, as you know, for those of us that have listened to our past episodes, you know, as far as we, we we're, we're definitely bullshitters, but we we have a caveat here, and that's necessary. And the necessary bullshit is what we've kind of defined as the as the stuff that a lot of people know that they may not want to talk about. Oh, <laughs> I, I leaned over to clear my throat, and I'm just like I'm falling out of this fucking chair. I saw that. I was like, okay, maybe we should cut back on the whiskey. Uh, but no, no. So, so the thing is, though, is that the necessary aspect of it is is it's bullshit in the sense that it's it's stuff that 
on a day-to-day basis, I would argue that most people don't really want to talk about or think about. Right. You know, but, but it's important, you know, it's important to discuss or not even just talk about it. Think about it. It's, it's stuff that people, it's bullshit in the sense of like, you know, what people can argue that there is a, some people have a negative viewpoint of philosophy on the idea of sitting there and yeah. contemplating it. Yeah. But th- there's elements of that that I find are necessary. And I feel like for us, there are certain things in the world that happen that we have taken upon ourselves to try to, to, to talk about and dissect and, and really try to explore what that means for us and the bigger picture. And so we want to make sure that on our first episode back, not only are we going to bullshit in the normal way of just letting you guys know what we have going on, but we do want to talk about some current events. Right. Yeah. So as two white men talking about things going on in Europe. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, so, you know, there, there has been a lot going on and that we ought to pontificate on and, you know, that's in our wheelhouse. And if, you know, there was a couple things that I laid out to Josh, you know, a few days ago. I'm like, hey, you know, like these are obviously some interesting things that came up. Uh, and the war in Ukraine is an obvious one. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was kind of it's funny, you know, because it sort of started to unfold when. I was still living in Bend and, you know, my wife, Tiffany, is you know, I mean, you think I'm pessimistic. My wife is, you know, the definition Schopenhauer and Schopenhauerian. I don't even know how to say that. Um, and she you know, like she's already worried about the pandemic. You know, the economy was just bad. Like we were, she was definitely worried that we were not going to find a place to live that was significantly cheaper than where we were. We did, of course. And, um, and then, you know, when the whole, you know, Russia, Ukrainian war broke out, you know, it was even like, she's like, great, just world war three is going to happen. And it's funny. Like, I remember thinking, I'm like, this is just funny to me. And obviously it's not funny. Like there's lots of Ukrainians dying. There's lots of Russians dying. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Right, right here so far, you know, we'll have sources and things, but as it stands, billions of dollars worth of damage has been done. And tens of thousands of people have been killed during the duration of this. Right. Yeah. During this conflict. conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, if, you know, if any of our listeners are old enough to remember, you know, back in like, 2010 and then especially in 2014 when russia was making advances into ukraine um and annexing the crimean peninsula um it was i mean that was a very heated moment where russia was doing very shaded shady things it's funny actually i remember like listening you know and reading the news about like how when that you know stuff started uh happening we uh the the u.s had uh naval ships uh, in the Atlantic Ocean and in the Mediterranean uh, Sea, and we had ships in the Black Sea within like 18 hours. You know, to like, what the fuck are you gonna do? Like, what are you doing, Russia? Like, we were sending F-18s over the area. I mean, it was like, it was what the fuck is gonna happen? Now, obviously, that died down a little bit, but Putin never backed off. I mean, you know, if anybody doesn't know, like, Putin was a member of the KGB mm-hmm. during the Soviet Union. And since he's been, uh, I can't remember. I mean, I think he's president, but since he's been, pre- you know, president or and or prime minister again, I'm not sure. Um, since he's been in that position of power, he has not let it go, and he very much has this idea that the Soviet Union, while will never see its former glory, he very much wants the the same level of territory and sovereignty and authority that Russia had, you know, the great Russian Empire beforehand, and somebody like Putin. I mean, he's not like an insane, like, he's not completely irrational, but what he's doing is showing a sign of force that on a nation's sovereignty. Oh, interesting. So I just looked this up real quick. Um, according to the Constitution of Russia, the president of Russia is the head of the state. 
a multi-party system with executive power exercised by the government and is headed by the prime minister who is appointed by the president. Okay, okay, interesting. All right. So so Putin is the president yes. of Russia. Okay. That who makes is sense. the one that would appoint a prime, a prime minister, minister, right? Which is why you this gets yeah, confusing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. I can see why I was confused on that. So um with yeah, so with that stuff in mind, I mean Putin is it's it's interesting, you know, because there's been a lot of interesting rhetoric about this whole conflict, you know, since it began um this year, you know, not not speaking about the Crimean uh, yeah, no, no, this year, because more specifically, where, where it really got started was back in February, right, when uh, Kiev was attacked, Yeah, the capital city, when Russia yeah. attacked Kiev. So that's, yeah. that's kind of where the crux of the whole entire war that Ukraine yeah, war that thing, we're talking about. Yeah, thing began. Which is February this year. Right, yeah. Like, we're not even a year into yeah. this. And... Yeah, I mean, it's November. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Um, yeah, so... Uh, you know, so this this whole conflict, you know, it's 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 interesting the the way that people have you know been talking about it. you know the sort of like Noam Chomskyite you know type people have been like oh well you know like Ukraine brought this on themselves and like of course like this is just you know and Russia this Russia that you know for communist sympathizers that sort of thing there's that aspect of it and then there's the other aspect of it too like people are like no like we need to be fighting over there we need you know, to support Ukraine as much as we can and push out Russia and it's interesting you know if you think about the the optics of it and the logistics of the whole thing. Putin is being a fucking bully. Like yeah. he is just like, Oh, I'm just going to take this. Like yeah. I, I'm going to say that like, I'm denazifying these regions of Ukraine, but it's like, what? Right. Also like, it just, you know, like, okay, not to downplay the Nazis, you know, but, <laughs> Jesus. but <laughs> the Soviet union, arguably, arguably, uh, and literally, killed way more fucking people Dude, that's, than the Nazis you know it's funny did. that you say that that is not like you're right not to downplay yeah. that but the soviet union like yeah if you really look at the staggering numbers of people that they murdered and killed like that too it's it's higher across the board yeah and I it's mean, just like and yeah there's a, there's a weird historical blind i mean joseph to, stalin yeah was a very underrated man for how awful he was. <laughs> like, very awful. Like, but, the, but just... the fact is that, that he sort of played nice during World War Two with Churchill. Like, sure. got this like fucking passing, you know. Like, let alone fucking Lenin. Anyway, um, yeah. So, like, Putin, Putin's rationality behind this whole thing is like, oh, I'm gonna fucking denazify, you know, the Donbass in the Ukraine, and and um, and Belarus is like in my fucking pocketbook, and it's like, dude, what are you fucking? Well, like... it's also too. It's also what's frustrating about that. It's like, okay. No, it's not un. It's not hidden knowledge that used to be part of the KBG, right? Soviet Union. Yeah, it's not also unhidden knowledge that back in the Soviet Union, you did occupy what is essentially like really big elements, what essentially as we know as the Ukraine. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so you're like, okay, yeah. so let me get this straight. You were part of an organization, a Soviet Union that like felt dominant power. When that broke, you Ukraine became an established state on their own. Yeah. And now you're saying that, like, as somebody who has ties in those past, and you're trying to, like, you know, get back Russia's, but you're trying to take Ukraine. And now you're like, no, I'm just trying to get gonna, rid of. We're gonna get rid of the Nazis. And you look <laughs> at this too, which is also really ironic about that, because, like, okay, obviously, back in the day, cafe, we're talking like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. This it was like a cafe that you like frequent. No, I just there, to be fair in my in my okay quick sidebar here in my youth there was a like like five years ago. Shut the fuck. <laughs> Probably twenty years ago now. Yeah, there was there. I remember in my local hometown there's a radio station and they did they did back in the back in the day cafe because it was there it was what they called their hour of like classical hits. 
Oh, so like Throwback Thursday. Correct. Yeah, but they called it back in the day cafe. So right. that's why it's just it's a, it's a. You know what's funny about that? Sorry to uh, just totally to derail my derail. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, to derail the derailment. <laughs> it's like you know, it's you know, it's like you listen to radio stations. They're like, we're listening to you know classic rock from the eighties, nineties, and today. I'm like, you mean from the two thousands? <laughs> Jesus. But what I mean is anyway, like, sorry. You know, the idea of conquering and gaining new land was not yeah. something that was, it just happened all the time. Uh, yes. You know, and that, that's interesting. That's what, actually. That's what right. Cause that's, so you see where I'm going. Yeah. Here. It, it, right. it is interesting, right? That like Putin, I mean, for, you know, for whoever that man is, right? Like whoever, whatever he represents, like he's the head of the Russian state. Like he's just like, you know, I'm just going to go fucking take this place. There's something, you know, I'm not. I'm not apologizing for Putin. I'm not a Putin apologist, but there's something pure about that in a way that like, Jesus, that's not what I was getting. I, I know, but I, trust me, <laughs> oh but I, I don't agree with what he's doing. Look but at the sound just clip. Like, Maybe that's what I'm going to pick. The sound clip I'm going to choose this episode is, is Ian saying the phrase pure about what there's Putin. something <laughs> pure about what Putin Yeah. Way doing. to make me look the worst person possible, but it is interesting that it was like, I'm just going to fucking take this. No, I know, but the, that's the, you know, the whole thing yeah. though, because as we, as we have as grown and dominate, it's like the idea of borders is so much stronger. Yeah. You know, yeah. than it ever has been before. And maybe that's an establishment or things like that too. But like, you look at the way that societies have risen and fallen, you know, you look at certain things like even ancient Greek or ancient Rome. Like I bet when you're back in Rome during that time, you're like, this, this is they're no, they conquered things. They, they, there's yeah, no way like, they fucking, ger- no, I'm going to kill those fucking right, Germans exactly. or like yeah. things like that. But I yeah. meant that like, you know, you have, you, for example, look at world war two. You're like, Hitler's like, I'm going to invade Poland. And then the world was like, no, no. Like, <laughs> no, 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 you're yeah. not, you're not going to take. That's so funny. Like when, you know, Hitler tried to get FDR on his side. I know. And he's like, Hey, like you want to help me? He's like, no, well, you're there's, Jews. Well, no, that, there's, <laughs> there's even certain standpoints where it's like, there was, and I don't know if this is true or not, but like Hitler's mustache, he designed that off of Charlie Chaplin because he thought he was going to be more welcoming yes. to the American population. So I don't know how true that is for historians. If you want to correct us, please let us know. But the, the, the thing that I'm saying here is that like, when you look at the history now, a modern history of wars, it's like if you, when you're trying to approach on territory that is not yours, mm-hmm. there's going to be some conflict. And of so, course. like, how does Putin not understand that to certain regards of like, look, World War II le- led to the deconstruction of the Soviet Union. So when you look at certain things like that, how is there not, how do you not think that if you're going to try to occupy land that is not yours? That may have once been yours. Oh, yeah. That there's not going to be a pushback. I mean, I, some, I honestly some... think, you know, like Putin, I mean, it's very much like Joe Biden in this respect. But he's like, he's like, he's experiencing senescence in a way that like, I can just do the same things that we did before. No, and I feel bad because a part of me, look, here's the deal. I don't, I'm sympathetic to the Ukrainian population. Yes. People. Yeah. That's yeah. war and like, we never experienced that. Like since, what, we have not... Since the Civil War in America, we have not experienced any sort of upheaval of war tactics in our in our in, in our borders. borders. Yeah, yeah. So we don't know what it's like. I feel like you know Americans. We're very very privileged in the sense we're that, very lucky. You know, yeah. In the sense that we're lucky in the sense that we don't know what it's like to to actually be a part of a war torn country. Yeah. But these other people do. Sometimes they have in that regard. However, you know, I was reading a New York Times article in the nine months or so. That Is that the been... communist New York Times? Oh, my God. In the nine months or so that we've been in this conflict, the number that staggers me is that the U.S. government has spent $18.9 billion so far f- towards military assistance. Mm-hmm. Most recently, 
as of November 4th that has been posted. There's another $400 million measure being put into place, which makes that total date. Going into Ukraine, correct. Going into Ukraine. And there's a few things this is doing. One I found fascinating it is uh, this, four, this 400 million is a, America, let's be clear here. We're not interjecting ourselves into this conflict just yet. Okay, we are That's, in certain ways. Yeah, what just I mean by not interjecting, yet, what I'm know? not interjecting, as I mean is we do not have troops on the ground. Right, yeah. However, this 400 million is not only done for military training, but mm-hmm. weapons. Yes. And yeah. also, too, interestingly enough, 45 refurbished tanks from the Czech Republic is on this bill um 1100 phoenix ghost drones an additional 40 ravine boats are are all included within this new form four million dollar package that passed making the total 18.9 billion this is where i feel bad in a sense of like counterproductive because i'm like tax dollars are the money that we have that is a lot it's a lot of money that is a a lot lot of money 18.9 billion dollars so far in the conflict that is inconceivable amount of right yeah to think about cost of living, the way the things are, you know, in the U.S. alone, and you and you think how billions of our dollars are going to this conflict, mm-hmm. and this is where like I have a problem with Putin and what he what he started because like the amount of money that is being funneled out and being repurposed into this, it's 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 when I read that it was staggering. Yeah, it had like an effect on me. Yeah, a very negative effect. Right, and I was turmoiled with that. The empathy for the Ukrainian people versus yeah. the worry about the level of money that is being consumed from our budget and, into and that. you know in, in, in addition to that especially when n- potentially nuclear weapons mm-hmm. could be involved in this conflict that's also it's, very serious it, you know because like you know uh, the u.s and russia have played nice for a very long time and the fact of the matter is is that ukraine is in europe yeah and i i I hate the fact that like just regular Russian soldiers who are oftentimes just surrendering, you know, automatically to Ukrainian uh, soldiers because they're like, Hey, I'm, I don't want to be here. Please don't kill me. We're just going to surrender right now. That's happening. Generals are leaving the military in, in, in Russia because they're like, yeah, fuck you, Putin. We're not doing this. It's fucking retarded. Sure. Sorry for the R word. Um, you know, but the, yeah, but the fact, is, yeah. the, but the fact is, is that, I that sucks. It sucks. But like this is in Europe. Well, and yeah, like yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, the now like I get it. Poland, Finland, France, like all, the Czech Republic, all these countries, yeah, you should be fucking worried. Russia is a fucking scary country because they have nukes like us. Yeah. Right? And so well, not only that refugees that are pouring into these countries. Yes, too, of course. Due to the of course, yeah. yeah. Like Ukrainian citizens going into Poland, going into the UK, mm-hmm. all, all over the place. You know, like it that disrupts the normal everyday goings ons of of the world. And we already are experiencing tremendous hardship from the pandemic, right? Yeah. And like in the supply uh you know, the supply chain and everything else that's yeah, been the going on. Logistical industry alone. Yeah, it's been yeah, which is why cost of like yeah, yeah, like you know, restaurants to his personal experience cost you of know, food. But countries like Germany, goods, right, are experiencing tremendous energy costs because they got most of their energy from oil from Russia. Sure. And in, and then over the last uh ten years they've been shutting down coal and nuclear plants because of climate change arguably and so it's just had a huge uh, effect on their economy and so the thing is is that while i of course want to give my support to ukraine as much as i can the, the fact of the matter is is like it's n- 
this is hard to say, but it's, it's not really our business. Now, granted, like we have vested interests, whether it be in NATO or in the EU, like we have allies right. with these people, like economic and political allies that we've made with these people because we live on a planet where we've made these global ties. Globalization you know, is a huge, yeah, that, that's also something that's huge. expanded. Absolutely and is, huge. It's more considerate and most pol- like political decisions. Right. And so we have to make a calculated risk in whether, whether or not we're getting involved. And the fact that Putin has gone back and forth and like, oh no, I'm not going to use nukes. You know, it's like, well, what the fuck do you mean? What do you mean? You know, it, it really comes down to like, if we get seriously involved, it could get worse. And you know, uh, Biden the other day, I mean, he's, you know, sort of flummoxedly said that, you know, like we're now like sending weapons over the border, like our weapons are flowing into the border of Ukraine. I'm like, okay, you probably are exaggerating that, you know, but like the fact is, is that when you say that, that means a lot of people are going to die. I mean, I guess, but at the same time, like not quite exaggerating here. I am the New York times reporting 400 million, most sure. recent of 18.9 billion. Sure. And a lot of that is weapons and training right. that's going into and Ukraine. It, it does make sense in some respect that that the biden administration they've you know this has now been revealed that like they've been in contact with president Zelensky of ukraine they're like can you come to some sort of armistice or agreement with putin and you know the fact is that since we're getting involved we have these concerns we have these worries like we don't want this to escalate well that's the but point, Zelensky though. is like fuck you like right, I'm, but that, that's what, what I'm, I'm saying though is like this is the interesting this this interesting thing here right yeah. because like you just mentioned before with with your you know with your wife talking about the potential fears of World War Three yeah and I think this is where the 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 I don't know juxtaposition may not be the right word maybe irony but. America for the longest time, they've considered themselves the police of the world. Yeah. You know, they're, they're the ones that dictate, like, you cannot... I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when you say that, I don't know if, like, Americans per se, but, like, I the think... Government, that's the government. The American government. Well, I think that's the view of the of the rest of the world, almost. Well, we, right? ste- viewing well, America okay, like we that. step in to into conflict. Yeah. We stepped into the world quite yeah. often. But I feel like right now, which is interesting, and maybe it's because of the fact that Putin has nukes, we are very hesitant yeah. to actually step into that role. Well, yeah. We have not sent troops. This is the thing. Now, granted, we are dealing with other things like that too. We have, you know, we have their own wars, their own things that we're dealing with that we have mm-hmm. like a separation of, of like troops and stuff that are going out there. Yeah, but, for, sorry, just to interject here for reference, go back to our episode on war and conflict. We had yes. uh, a guest, uh, Grant Owens on who's uh, ex Navy. He can uh, help you in light. Right, but, you know, but the point is though, is that there has to be this point of the, the way. Okay. I guess what I'm saying is, is what I'm trying to articulate here is America. Our government has projected themselves to be a certain sort of force. Yeah, of course. But it's calculated because what does that mean if we actually put troops on the ground? Does yeah. that mean there's going to be threat of nuclear war from Putin? Does that mm-hmm. mean that we're going to step into some sort of World War Three situation going on here? Right. It's like, kind of like, you know, when we pulled out of, uh, of Afghanistan, I mean, obviously that was set in, set in motion largely by the Trump administration, but obviously taken to its conclusion by, uh, by Biden. And, you know, many people, especially on the right, shat on Biden for the way that he handled the the pullout of Afghanistan. And it's kind of like, really? Right. I, I don't I don't know. It's like, of course, like it sucks because like a lot of people died who didn't need to. People were stuck there who really should have been able to get out. Um, but it's like, uh, how much longer are we going to fucking stay here? Right. Like, get the fuck right. out. Yeah. Get the fuck out. Resources, we don't need to money, be there. Things, yeah. You know, like we're, we're you know how much money know, we spent on Afghanistan? Not just that though, but the, the, literally the, the war, the, the Middle Eastern war 
you know, I'm overgeneralizing. Right, of course. Here because yeah, obviously I there's different caveats yeah. here, different states, whether it be Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, all these different things. But it's like, there have been people that have been born old enough, like, have gotten to the age to enlist, uh-huh. and then again sent over in the yeah. time that this the, the Middle Eastern conflict has been happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, you it's think about it. It's kind of insane. Right. And, and this is where it's like the, the forceful nature of it, right? Yeah. So it's like, you, know, you look at this, too. Look at basic economics we talk about in, in America. Economic states, like, in most economics 101 courses, they will tell you that incentive is typically a better route to go than disincentive right, or yeah. punishment. Yeah. But here we are going into a different culture and going, you need to do it the American way mm-hmm. and you will be punished if you don't do this. Right. So if we can understand that from an economical standpoint, it's easier to incentivize than it is to punish. We go into this place and we choose to punish instead of incentivize. Mm-hmm. Here we are with a conflict that has last decades. Now, people that have fought this in the beginning have now had kids raise those kids to be old enough to join the military. And they're now fighting this conflict. Yeah. It's, and maybe that's a reason why, like maybe with the Ukraine war or whatever, we're not choosing to step up. It's interesting. Yeah, it it is. And you know, I, I, we can move on, but you know, I, yeah, I, I do think, think for the sake of yeah, time, we yeah. probably should, but um, yeah. Well, tell you what, why don't we leave it there? I mean, yeah, let's we leave it there. Cause I actually like, it. I know we, we, we had planned to talk about a few things, but the next thing I really want to talk about is Elon Musk and Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I feel like it's going to lead to some conversation through us because, you know, Ian Musk has stated to consider himself a free speech absolutist, like, and the idea of buying Twitter and the idea of censorship and the idea of like free, free conversation, things like that. There's a lot of things to be discussed there. Sure. A lot of things to be handled. And I'm torn in this topic. And so I guess before I can kind of go into that, I'm very curious how you want to first discuss Elon Musk yeah, and his, his bot yeah. for Twitter. What, what, you initially, for our listeners, this is, this is a topic that you had brought up to discuss. Yeah. So I'm right. first open to like, wh- why did you want to talk about so it? So part of it, I, I find it funny, you know, cause it's, it's like, I, I love it's, how, by the way, we're, we're transitioning from the Ukrainian war <laughs> to the purchase of Twitter. There, yeah. There's like a quite a huge leap there, but at the same time, like you know, we, we for the sake of time and whatnot, like this yeah. is also insert laugh gears. track uh, now. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, it's it is yeah. I mean, it's quite you know, we're just trying to do a catch-all episode, you know, after coming back. But mm-hmm. I think you know the reason why it's important is because so many people are throwing a fit, especially on Twitter, and you know, part of my initial reaction to not the finalized purchase, but like the the initial idea of Elon Musk purchasing Twitter, you know. It was already like my my use of Twitter was waning quite a bit. Like I don't really use Twitter all that often, especially when we weren't doing podcasting stuff for that for that interim. And it was like Twitter Twitter is a fucking cesspool. Like every time I get onto Twitter, I'm like, why the fuck? Why am I why am I on here? Like why am I looking at this? Why am I responding to people? It just brings me pain and misery. And but it's it's sort of funny. To, you know, like as like a trolling sort of way, it's sort of funny to see like how many people are upset by Elon Musk buying Twitter because in, you know, at the bottom of it, you know, when you get to brass tacks, like it's just a guy buying something. It's just a dude buying something. But the thing is, is like there's so many people are using that platform for their own means and their own ends. And, you know, he comes along saying they're like, well, I think Twitter sucks in its current form. 
and I just want to make it better for other people. That's one side of it. But then the other side of things is like, well, yeah, but how, you know, do, you Twitter, define, how do you define suck and how you define no, what's I, better? I know that's right. That's, what that's I'm all I'm saying. That, like, that's, like you have this that whole definition other side is, of is so different depending on who you talk to. You have this whole other side of the argument saying that like, oh, like Elon Musk is like he's a this billionaire troll or like he. You know, like he doesn't understand free speech or like all these other things. And like in the end, to me, it, it actually doesn't really matter. The point is, is that Elon Musk has a lot of money. He says shit on Twitter like like he doesn't care, clearly. Like he doesn't really care that much about the things that he says on Twitter. And the fact that he's like, oh, yeah, I think I might just buy this. He's the richest person on the on, in the planet. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is like people say they're like, well, what the fuck? Like he's the richest person on earth. Is he going to buy Twitter? What's going on? And the fact is like lo- lawsuits are made. It's like, hey, dude, you ha- you can't just say that. We have shareholders. If you're going to put all this money down, like we have to know if you're going to do this. And he's sort of pushed into actually finalizing the purchase. He probably regrets it in some way. Sort of like a Trump problem. Billion. Yeah. I mean, like billion dollars. Yeah. I mean, he's a trillionaire. I know that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, but this is, this is the whole crux of the whole crux of this again is the reason why I felt like this is something I really wanted to talk about on mic while we're deciding what issues to ax. Yeah. The idea of Elon, like with Elon Musk, the point about Elon Musk buying Twitter is what he has stated. Uh Uh-huh. Is that. He's is a is a he's a advocate of free speech, right? Yeah, right. An advocate of decentralization of 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 not censoring, right? This is where I struggle because this is a big you know, the, the, for lack of a better term, this is a big conservative talking point about non censoring of of language or rhetoric mm-hmm. or, or conversation. Mm-hmm. But there there are laws that are stated that protect free speech, but also provide that in contextual situations, there are caveats right. to that. Yeah. One of the caveats is harm, right? You cannot yell fire in a crowded building when there is no fire. Yeah. There, yeah. There's, there's some, there's some grayness to that but, as far as the, like the law. I but, know, yeah. but that's what, I, that's the yeah. whole point that I'm trying to make. The reason why I'm nervous about something like Elon Musk buying platform like Twitter is there was already a level of toxicity that was acknowledged. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And there's always the sense of like, I don't like, where is the line drawn? I'm not saying that like, I, I am not in the belief that everybody should be allowed to say everything they want to at any given moment. But who's drawing the lines and where are those lines drawn? That's why I, I struggle with those questions. Right. And so, so, yeah, okay. So there's, there's two avenues of thought right there. So in your last statement there, like you're of the mind that like, not everybody, how, how did you say that? Not everybody can uh, say at any given moment what they want. Is that... I am saying that I see a potential danger and a worry of of, people just saying whatever they want. So of un un, completely unedited or unfiltered. Right. So I'm, so of that, in that specific uh, context, I'm of one mind of this is that uh, it's not that you should, but that you, you can say or do whatever you want. Like one person can say or do whatever they want. But every action has a consequence, and if you are doing those things, you should be prepared for the consequences. That's that's my that's I my see what personal. You're so, like for example, so, just to clarify this, so if I'm understanding you correctly, right? So everybody can do what they want, right? Yeah. So like, I'm gonna go out and murder somebody tomorrow mm-hmm. because I have the freedom. But to But you're telling me this? No. <laughs> but yeah, I have to suffer the consequences, of course, for that choice 
yeah that okay. you made okay. yeah that's okay. so so with with that respect on the previous point what Elon Musk is talking about with free speech and the, the and the, the the conservative talking points i think there is a a bit of a blind spot because so much of what he is i think referring to you know and i'm i'm not in the mind of Elon Musk of course but i think what he is referring to and what a lot of his critics are making are approaching that point of contention in very different ways and because i think people on the right are like no like he's you know because he has some detractors on the conservative side as well but like people are saying that like oh well like no free speech law doesn't work like this and like oh the culture free speech xyz and then you have i think people on the left saying like oh obviously we need to curtail some forms of speech and then like the harm element that you were bringing up and the thing i think that that Musk is viewing this in a not necessarily a more view, a nuanced way because again I don't know what he's thinking but I think he's tackling it from a di- different angle that I don't I don't think he's talking about the legal ideas in the in America of free speech I think he's speaking of something more abstract and in, in one of his early statements when the purchase was completed was talking about and this has been brought up before around the idea of Twitter is that the fact is, is that Twitter is being used now. Granted, it's not even the most popular uh, social media platform. Facebook is far bigger, has far more users. But Twitter is a sort of town square esque platform where it's for the newer generation. Yeah, of I course. Would argue and spends more time. Facebook so, is more of the of our like millennials. Yeah, you, yeah, more. you and I, you know, yeah, the millennial and, population probably spends more time on Facebook yeah. but than the newer generation. T- Twitter, easy. Twitter is more. It's more like for lack of a better term, creators or like, you know, media commentators, political commentators, like people, you know, for lack of a better term, highbrow, like, you know, it's like people who have things to say and then the people who follow them, you sure, know, are sure. on Twitter. And, but, but that's also where a lot of them say what they have to say. Exactly. And while Twitter might not be real life, like the things people say on Twitter have very real consequences, clearly. Right, right, right. And so I think what Elon Musk is getting at is that like Twitter is a very consequential platform. And while you, you know, I may agree or disagree with what he has to say on it is that right now Twitter is not being utilized to the best of what it can be. So let me spend my money to change it. Yeah, but, and, what is that? but he, he, okay. But that, that, what does that mean now? I don't know. Okay. I don't well, know. That's what it is because I'm, I don't understand because for him, I feel like his version of Twitter will be more toxic than the, how it already is. To to completely ban yeah, on, all on, so so while I don't know I mean like my my sure, question it's a speculation to you, for me right so where I mean where do you where are you coming from like in, in from that for that in, intuition like where because I look here again and my experience with most people that that identify conservative who are talking about free speech issues it's great when they're the ones that are trying to pitch their opinions uh-huh. but those same people some of them. Are also like, well, you can't have this in schools because if you teach equality in schools, then they're they're gonna turn my kids gay. Yeah. Okay. Well, then if you believe that free speech should be done, that that people should be allowed to discuss at any given moment what they what they they feel is right to do, but you also believe that if I allow this into schools, then you're indoctrinating my kids. Mm-hmm. Then you do believe that words have the power of persuasion. So if you if you can tell me. Like, if, if I pick one person here, just an example, if you can tell me that you are worried 
that if I let some sort of like equal rights aspects of stuff like bleed into schools, if I'm teaching equality, like DEI stuff, like yeah, like things that wouldn't matter. If you think that that's going to indoctrinate your kids, it's going to make your kids care, make your kids go this way, or like you're forcing your kids into this thing, mm. then you are admitting to me subconsciously or or non directly that speech has influence, speech has has power then how does that same concept not apply to a platform like Twitter? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I think part of it comes down to, you know, I mean, specifically with that, like with the, you know, with conservatives losing their mind over DEI stuff, you know, I think part of it comes down to a fundamental misunderstanding of, of education, but then also it's all, you know, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of, of the culture of free speech. And I think the, probably that's one of the it, biggest, Ian, well, that's the point that's the yeah. contradicting. I, I, yes. And I think, sure. but I think again, part of the issue is that people on the left and the right and these far, these far camps, right? These far left and right camps, uh, where these, and this battle just so happens to be taking place on Twitter and in government, you know, I mean like Ron DeSantis of Florida, I mean like. He's implementing policies that have real effect on 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 lots of people and institutions, you know. So it's it's not just not happening on Twitter. Makes sense. Um, yeah. So the fact is that we are experiencing a kind of culture war right now, and I know that gets thrown around quite a bit. But a lot of the things that people find important in our lives is is how the culture affects each and every generation, and I you know at risk of speaking, you know, sort of abstractly, I, I don't think people really have a good practical understanding of, of where to apply these more, you know, strange ideas, you know, something like the free speech, you know, the culture of free speech or, or the, in, you know, diversity stuff in schools, you know, like, I don't think people really have a good idea of what that means to implement that sort of stuff. But I also think too, just more in general is that people are scared you yeah. know, and worried about ideas, you know? So like the big thing, like, you know, if you recall, I mean, I'm sure you see it all over the place. Like, you know, Jordan, the Jordan Petersons of the world, you know, are very much, you know, part of them are like, Oh, well we want to create a better culture of men, or we want to create a better culture of like philosophy. We want to understand things about the world and not give into the wokeness. The other side of things also happens to be like very much feeding into the sort of fear of most people yeah you know where it's you know it could be in conservatives where like they're like why you know why people you know trying to be identified as a woman but when they're a man you know why it's you, like that was a derivative accident really you sound, you sound i mean like i talk sanders. like that all the time okay? i know that but you sound so, like colonel sanders right there <laughs> i feel yeah, like have I, you I, seen I, my chicken yeah, i mean it is i think about it you know we got the baked beans and the cornbread right here anyway so you know so there's that aspect of it but then also too on the other side of things you know we have you know, I'm, I'm painting, there's a big uh, paintbrush and I'm painting a lot of paint with a broad brush here is that, you know, people from the New York times or, or the Atlantic, like the media type of people also feed into the fear of like, well, conservatives are doing this and conservatives. That's, are the, doing that's that. the difficult point. Yeah. Ian. That, the, the, okay. Look, the, the, what I'm trying to say here is that the common ground can be found where it's like, you are trying to tell me that we have the right to free speech and that, that it should not well, We don't be, have the right. They're trying to. This is their argument. Yeah, is what I'm telling you. Yeah, free speech should be un like there should be no censorship. Totally unfettered, unfettered you know, free yeah. speech. Yeah, but what I'm trying to say, and this is where it gets broken down, because I personally teaching equality, teaching 
certain aspects of of cultures of people that have been like historically oppressed as others i don't necessarily see that as a negative thing but you're going to be a person that can identify that course sort of talk and like they can believe in themselves that's negative right mm-hmm. well then you're te- you're admitting this is where this is where i think common ground can be found you're admitting then that speech has has a power a function oh yeah to guide that and if you yeah. cannot admit that then you're delusional and that you feel like your own point in mind that's yeah. what you mean by free your, your free speech is i should be able to say my point and like not have that be covered because like right now what they feel like is if they express their point of view that's what's being censored so their argument for free speech has that and of course yeah. i'm also putting a broad brush here but right the right, right. Yeah, reason yeah. i'm saying this because even though i don't believe that speech is done at least we can come to a common argument of like you can identify that yes speech can be powerful speech can be influential because even though you say words are words no words have been attached to meaning and we use words to in, to interpret meaning and because of that very personal relationship between meaning and words given that we derive meaning from what we're taught words are mm-hmm. you also the same thing with individualism and collectivism right we live collectively but we're individuals but traffic things like that there are there are situations where those con those, they conflict each other to me what people are not acknowledging with free speech is that because of the very basic fact that language words are made up yes but because we've attached them to our meaning you cannot in my opinion you cannot de-emphasize or try to downplay that relationship yeah yeah, I I mean you're I I think you're absolutely right and I I don't like personally struggle with this but I do sure. see a a struggle, you know, taking place on online a lot but it 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 obviously takes place in in our culture in the mainstream and in politics and everything like that where so many people either try to emphasize or de-emphasize the power of speech yes. and the power of our words and I don't think people fully appreciate that it, you know, it's been such a long time since we developed speech, like in our in the history of the human race. Yeah. You know, now like humans have been around longer than speech has, but the fact is that when we developed speech, there was a, a dynamic shift, like a, a paradigm shift in the way that that humanity developed, and it's shown all across. You know, mythology and and history and and religion. You know, a great example of this. You know, the conservatives I think could latch onto if they are religious, if they're Christian. Um, I mean, I guess they don't have to be Christian, but like if they're religious in general, is that the idea of the creation, for example, um, uh, brought out like the sort of demiurge by God, is that he spoke creation and i think that's a very powerful understanding when you can come to like knowing like like if you really believe you know in the in the creation myths and you know whether it be in christianity islam wherever you know that like this this being created you know our world just by speaking that's something that you know because we brought this up before that like i obviously i i I shouldn't say that's obvious but like i don't believe in a personal god or anything like that i i think that most religions reflect humanity rather than you know the god reflecting you know the exactly i think most religions like my thing we're trying we're trying to make sense of the chaotic nature right. of, of existence. And so with speech, you know, since we're on that, like with speech is that like it has, if has effects. Thank you. Cause that's and, what I'm trying to get from you. And that's like, you know, 
I'm not trying to cut you off. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. You Um, you got me excited. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta pitch in a tent over there. And, uh, (laughs) you know, but like speech, speech does have effects. Now, when people talk about, when, when, when there are people who say that like, well, you know, what you're saying might cause violence or, you know, like we should give warnings to things that you might be hearing because it could trigger a kind of response, you know, in, in, in you, like some, something sort of instinctual or traumatic, whatever. It is a difficult line because like we have to decide like as a, as a society, like what we can and cannot handle and what we cannot, can and cannot say. Yeah. And it's, it's obviously really difficult because like, because we know the speech has power, you know, because yeah. we know that. I think deep down, everybody does. Well, no, but they, okay, well, I guess that's underplayed. But people I don't mean, want to admit well, it. Well, that's the thing, because like you said, like one could argue that the left, in one regard, okay, overemphasizes the power of speech. Right. Right? Yeah. They're basically saying that any word towards violence is violence. People can disagree with that, right? Uh-huh. So that is saying that like you were giving too much meaning to speech and how we interpret meaning to the fact that like, no, speech doesn't always go that way. Right. However, on the opposite side of that coin, what, what most conservatives vastly are de-emphasize doing, it. They're vastly de- they they are trying to, you're going to convince me that speech is not as meaningful as you say. Right. Yet what left is saying you are having problems with. So therefore yeah. you are equating meaning <laughs> to speech. Yeah. So, so exactly. I think that's the, the, you know, cause we're, we're pushing time here. So like, the last comment I want to make on this, <laughs> we're going to cover it, but the yeah. last comment I want to make on this is like, I guess that's what I'm trying to say where I get nervous and I don't know how to define this is that on one spectrum, I'm sympathetic that speech is powerful because it's the way that we draw meaning. We assign meaning to these yeah. words. We cannot draw meaning without speech. That relationship has to be identified. And it has to yes. be acknowledged. Yeah. And ha- the importance of it needs to be classified in the, uh, in the ongoing argument. But uh-huh. it doesn't, I also, though, agree that doesn't mean that all speech leads to active meaning. Mm-hmm. You can decipher that with, with, with tools and techniques. Right. But on the opposite side of that coin, they can look at these people as like, you're giving too much meaning to speech. Yeah. But then contradict themselves by their actions, their anger. Yeah, it's frustrating. Exactly. So yeah. I guess that's the whole, the whole final point for me is yeah. that like, that's where I struggle because I am on the camp more towards this way of, I believe that from all the conservative talking points that I've heard, yeah, that what they're doing is they're completely devaluing and they're trying to, to really die, like dim down the, the true importance of meaning and its connection to speech given their actions on how they worried yeah. about some speech yeah. connected to meeting. Well, it's like, you know, it's like, there's all this, I, you know, I shouldn't say all this, but you know, there was like, you know, this was last year, I think, you know, when like there were some Dr. Seuss books pulled from Amazon because of certain, you know, either racist connotations that were, you know, within the books, it's, you know, people flip their lids over it. And like, I have my own opinions on it, but it's like, then, you know, how many Christians, how many books? Yeah. Yeah. It's here. We go. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. But then like, you know, conservatives are like, you know, like obviously the Florida don't gay don't say gay bill. Like it actually, like if you look into it, that's, it doesn't reference that at all. But the fact is, is that people attribute this league, this legislation with that, you know, the, the people are assuming that like, well, they're, I mean, they're wanting to like, say, you can't say all this stuff in a classroom. And while the, um, 
while the bill misses the nuance of a lot of what happens in a classroom setting and in education, it is a blunt interest instrument, you know, to like go there and say, like, you can't say this and you like can't teach DEI and you can't do this. You can't, which you know, is grooming against and freedom all of speech. Right. The exactly. very same thing. Some of the- and again, it's like, it's this misunderstanding of education. Exactly. And, and yeah, it's, it's sad. It's just that, you know, we, it's like a lot of times like pushing a square into, into a round hole. <laughs> square well, you, know, you look at this too, like, like, I can't believe they had banned Dr. Seuss for this. At the same time, this like some of the same people who make that statement ban books because they promote homosexuality, yeah. or ban books because they go against a and Christian. See, that's the thing. Okay, so let me let me like you know show my hand here for a moment. Like I go into bookstores fairly often. You know, like we like taking the kid to there. We're like we like getting books every few months. And every once in a while, I go into certain sections of the bookstore, and I'm like I get kind of cringe. I like I feel the cringe. Like when I see some of the the books that are. The like the the sort of new you know popular style books like when it comes to identity politics let's just say that like I feel like that's kind of fucking cringy and I'm like you know I see that this is me being an old man like you know like being uh, sympathetic to this conservative argument you know I'm like I'm like really like why do why do why did we need that but at the same time I'm like you know what like I don't I, people want to publish a book fucking publish a book. You know, like if anything, if okay, let's say for example that some of these ideas being pushed in in I say being pushed, but some of the ideas being talked about in schools or book be, books being published, if they really are that bad, like if they're really that bad, shouldn't we know about it? That's my like my instinct. It's kind yeah. of like you know Germany for a long time has banned the sale and publication of Mein Kampf. Uh, now you can get it, you can get copies of it, you can download PDFs and everything like that. And, you know, you read Mein Kampf and, like, there's some really fucking terrible things in there. Obviously, it was written by Hitler. But my instinct is that we should have this available. What a heavy butt. Yeah. We should have this available because if it's sort of like the Alex Jones things. Okay. Like, I'm, this is, this, we're getting in tangent territory. Like, really tan- tangent territory. I get, okay. Well, I know, I know. You know like, okay. I want yeah. to say this to this is I really want to respond, but like, yeah. I'm I know going, I'm going to let you say your yeah. piece and then we're going to have to end this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Say your piece. I should, I should push you into going further. But um, yeah, with the Alex Jones things, for example, I think Alex Jones is an insane nincompoop. You know, I think he's an insane nincompoop. Um, he clearly has damaging effects with the things that he says. Clearly. Um, the fact he was sued, he lost his bank, he, he lost his business, he filed for bankruptcy. He had to like uh, pay a lot of money, a lot of money, um, some you know, millions of dollars, you know, to the families of the um, Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook. Yeah, thank you. Um, but I think outright banning of people like him from certain platforms and banning of books and trying to quote unquote cancel people for their ideas for things that they say, uh, if not just making them blind to certain, to certain people and forgetting about them, I think emboldens those ideas. I think that people get riled up and excited saying like, Oh, they're trying to cancel us. They're trying to ban me. Like we can. If anything, it puts those, uh, it puts those people who are associated with those ideas and puts those very ideas like in the shadows and makes them more pernicious. And personally, I think that daylight is the best cure for that sort of thing because, and this is this is probably I don't want to assume that this is something that we dis- disagree on, but I do think that m- most people will recognize bullshit in a setting where those bullshit ideas can be discussed interesting uh 
All I'm going to say yeah. is it's very optimistic of you. Right. And, and you so call me a pessimist. I do. So, like, we'll say that we'll count that. But at this point in time, that's. Yeah, we're. We'll yeah. get out of here. Yeah, we'll get out of here. Get, I know. We're, we're going to continue yeah. certain things. Like, we'll, we're going to be back. And I'll everybody. say, yes. We are yeah. back. We're, we're back on track. The next few episodes are, are going to be sort of more of the style of catching up on things. Sure. Um, there's things to talk about. You know, like, we wanted to talk about, like, the student loan stuff going on. Kanye West. Yeah, all kinds of crazy yeah. stuff going uh, on. Kim so. Kardashian's late husband. Um, you know, things like that. You know, uh, we can dish on that sort of things in later episode, but I think we can get out of here. Yeah, guys, we we said an hour and a half. We're pushing two hours, but that's what we do. So welcome back, <laughs> welcome back, everybody. Thank you for listening. We love you. Deuces. Oh, it's been a while. Bye. Oh my god, I'm so cracky. It's been so long. One more time. Bye. Bye. Uh. Everything that guy just says, bullshit. Thank you.